Hi everybody, welcome to Bible Prophecy Radio. Does the Bible reveal to us how to solve the Israeli-Palestinian conflict? How will it be solved? Do you think that it's really over Israeli occupation or Palestinian occupation? What about the West Bank? It's a mess. You've got neighborhood after neighborhood after neighborhood of Israelis mixed in with neighborhood after neighborhood after neighborhood of Palestinians. Well, where did the Israeli-Palestinian conflict begin in the first place? And what's the solution to it all? What's prophesied for America in relation to Israel? What about the near future? Does the Bible indicate what's going to happen? What is the way to peace in the Middle East? Does the Bible tell us? Does the Bible tell us how to have a happy marriage? Are they related in some way? What about it? How do we solve the problems in a marriage and also in the Middle East? Well, let's begin in Genesis. That sounds like a good place to begin to me. So let's turn to the 16th chapter of Genesis. This, I believe, is the beginning of the Middle East conflict. Starting in chapter 16, verse 1, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him, but she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarai said to Abraham, The Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. Abram agreed to this. That's his first mistake right there. So Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as his wife. This happened ten years after Abram settled in the land of Canaan. So Abram had sexual relations with Hagar, and she became pregnant. Verse 15, So Hagar gave Abram a son, and Abram named his son Ishmael. He was 86 years old when Ishmael was born. Then Abram's name was changed by God to Abraham. And he became the father of a multitude of nations, as was prophesied by God in chapter 17 and verse 4. This is my covenant with you. I will make you a father of a multitude of nations. So what then started this conflict? Was Abraham a Jew? Well, no, but without him, there would be no Jews. Rather obvious, because they are descended from Abraham. The Lord kept his word to Sarah. Sarah, he told, would have a son with Abraham. It's in chapter 21, starting in verse 1. The Lord kept his word and did for Sarah exactly what he had promised. She became pregnant, and she gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age. This happened just at the time God said it would happen. And Abraham named his son, their son, Isaac. Eight days after Isaac was born, Abraham circumcised him as God had commanded. That was Abraham's part of the covenant. He was to do that and to obey God. Do we do that today? 
Abraham was 100 years old when Isaac was born. So by this time, Ishmael was 14. Chapter 21 verse 9 says, But Sarah saw Ishmael, the son of Abraham, and her Egyptian servant Hagar, making fun of her son Isaac. So she turned to Abraham and demanded, Get rid of that slave woman and her son. He is not going to share the inheritance with my son Isaac. I won't have it. This upset Abraham very much. But God told Abraham, Do not be upset over the boy and your servant. Do whatever Sarah tells you, for Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. So in other words, Abraham's firstborn son, Ishmael, did not inherit Abraham's wealth. Instead, Abraham's wife Sarah gives him the heir to his estate. For Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted, God said in verse 12. But I also will make a nation of descendants from Hagar's son as well, because he is your son also. So Abraham got up early the next morning, and so on and so forth. I want to drop down to chapter 21, verse 21. And he settled, that is, this skillful archer named Ishmael, he had grown up, and he settled in the wilderness of Paran. His mother arranged for him to marry a woman from the land of Egypt. She was Egyptian. Egyptians are idol worshippers. They don't worship Jehovah, the one and only true God, the creator of heaven and earth. Instead, they worship things made of stone and metal and wood. That is the start of the conflict. Because Isaac was a worshiper of the one and only true God. He had Abraham, who also was one who worshipped the one and only true God. But Abraham was an Iraqi. He wasn't born in Canaan or Israel. What I'm getting at here is the conflict is between religions. In other words, we have one who worshiped the one and only true God joined to one who worshiped pagan idols. That's the problem. Isaac did right when he got married. He, re he married Rebekah. Rebekah, and this is in chapter 24, he married Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel. That's found in verse 15. Before he had finished praying, he saw a young woman named Rebekah coming out with her water jug on her shoulder. She was the daughter of Bethuel, who was the son of Abraham's brother, Nahor, and his wife, Milcah. Rebekah was a very beautiful woman and old enough to be married, but she was still a virgin. In verse 67, it says this, And Isaac brought Rebekah, into his mother Sarah's tent, and she became his wife, and he loved her deeply, and she was a very special comfort to him after the death of his mother. In chapter 25, we read of the death of Abraham. Abraham, verse 7, lived for 175 years and died at a ripe old age, having lived a long and satisfying life. Later on in chapter 25, it gives a list of the clans descended from Ishmael. 
These twelve sons of Ishmael became the founders of the twelve tribes that are named after them, according to the places where they settled and camped. Ishmael lived for 137 years, breathed his last, and joined his ancestors in death. Verse 17. Ishmael's descendants occupied the region from Havilah to Shur, which is east of Egypt in the direction of Asher. There they lived in open hostility toward all their relatives. Dropping down in chapter 25 of Genesis 2 verse 20, we read these words, When Isaac was 40 years old, he married Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean, from Paddan Aram, the sister of Laban, the Aramean. Isaac pleaded with the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was unable to have children. So the Lord answered Isaac's prayer and Rebekah became pregnant with twins. But the two children struggled with each other in her womb. She went to ask the Lord about it. Why is this going on? And the Lord told her, The sons in your womb will become two nations. From the very beginning, the two nations will be rivals. One nation will be stronger than the other, and your older son will serve your younger one. And when the time came to give birth, Rebekah discovered that she indeed did have twins. The first one was very red at birth and covered with thick hair like a fur coat. So they named him Esau, which means hair. Then the other twin was born with his hand grasping Esau's heel. And they named him Jacob, which means heel or deceiver. Isaac loved Esau because he enjoyed eating the wild game Esau brought home, but Rebekah loved Jacob. You can read the story down to verse 34, and you'll find out that he, that is Esau, showed contempt for his rights as the firstborn. And he sold those rights to Jacob for a mere bowl of soup. But Esau was a wild man, and he went to foreign lands and married foreign women and took them to wives. The Palestinians were back then called the Philistines, and there was conflict between Isaac and the Philistines over the wells that they had dug in the area in the Gerar Valley. This is our water, they said in verse 20, of chapter 26 of Genesis. But no, this is our water. So they moved on and built another well. And there was a dispute over that one too. You see, there was always hostility over water rights. That's one thing. Water rights. Well, what about other things? Could it be over territory, maybe? Well, sure. How about human rights? How about mineral rights like oil? What is the way to peace in the Middle East? Does the Bible reveal how to solve conflict? What about in a marriage? We've seen the example of Ishmael versus Isaac. Jacob and Esau did not get along either. Jacob ends up stealing Esau's blessing when his father Isaac was about to die. He pulled a trick with the help of his mother, and they deceived Isaac into thinking he was Esau. And so Isaac felt that this was him. He put on his clothes. He could smell the smell of the fields on his clothing. 
and they even attached goat's hair to his arms so that when he felt them, he would think that it was the hairy arm of Esau. So he gave him all of his wealth and everything went to Jacob. In chapter 26, verse 34, listen to this. At the age of 40, Esau married two Hittite wives, Judith, the daughter of Biri, and Basimath, the daughter of Elan. But Esau's wives made life miserable for Isaac and Rebekah. Now, why would that be? Well, these were Hittite women, and the Hittites worshipped molten gods made out of metal, like Chemosh and Molech. This is a problem for one, for one family who worships the one and only true God. There's bound to be conflict there. Idol worshippers married to worshippers of the one and only true God Jehovah. Jesus, in other words. So now we've got Jacob stealing his blessing and also the birthright. So everything, therefore, went to Jacob, not to Esau. So you can see why the conflict, the conflict between Ishmael and Isaac was that they were worshiping two different gods, the one true God versus idols. Jacob and Esau, same deal. Only Jacob steals the blessing and the birthright. Is there any other places in the Bible that talks about this? Well, let's just take a look at Judges chapter 16. Judges 16, starting at verse 4. Sometime later, Samson fell in love with a woman named Delilah who lived in the valley of Sorek. The rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, Entice Samson to tell you what makes him so strong and how he can be overpowered and tied up securely. Then each of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. And you can read the rest of the story in chapter 16. But the point is, the idols are mentioned in chapter 17. And you see, this woman, Delilah, wanted the money more than she cared about God. But they didn't even worship Jehovah, the one and only true God. They worshiped these molten images. So you can read about this story, but that's the way conflicts happen. You got Samson, who was the son of a Danite named Manoah. Manoah lived in the town of Zorah. His wife was unable to get pregnant, and this is Judges chapter 13 and verse uh, 2. His wife was unable to become pregnant, and they had no children. The angel of the Lord appeared to Manoah's wife and said, Even though you have been unable to have children, you will soon become pregnant and give birth to a son. So be careful. You must not drink wine or any other alcoholic drink, nor eat any forbidden food. You will become pregnant. Give birth to a son, and his hair must never be cut, for he will be dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. He will begin to rescue Israel from the Philistines. You see, what's going on there is he was dedicated to God from birth, 
but he turned his back on God and went after foreign women who were idol worshipers. That's the problem. It's been the problem all along. Way back in Genesis, we saw that with Ishmael and Isaac, Jacob and Esau, and now Samson and Delilah. It doesn't work. It never has worked. Personally, I know of a case where a man from America, a Christian, went to Afghanistan with the army and was there for quite a while, and he met a woman, and she was an idol worshiper. She worshiped Islam. Islam is an idol-worshipping group who actually worship Allah. Allah is a made-up God off the shelf, an idol. It's, it's something you could buy at the store, made out of metal. It can't talk. It can't see. It can't think. It can't write. It can't spell. It can't do anything. It can't even answer you when you ask it a question. And they worship this as God? Give me a break. But unfortunately, being over there for so many years, like 20 years, he was there in Afghanistan. And uh, they got married and they had a child and came back to the United States. I ended up knowing her from the nursing home where my wife has been stuck for the last 19 years because of her stroke and the ill health, the blindness, and so much uh, trouble that she has uh, been in. He, she has to be there. She has to have many people to help her even survive. One of those people helping her was this woman married to a friend of mine, a Christian. But she's an Islamite, in other words, worshiping this Allah God, this off-the-shelf God. It's an idol. It's not even a real God. It's not God at all. And they pretend like it is, and they make up all these rules. You have to do this, like during Ramadan, they must fast all during the day, every day of the whole month, except at night then they can eat to their heart's content. So they go into the night shift and they eat all they want there, but they have to fast during the daylight, which is just plain silly, if you ask me. Now, do you think really that an idol worshiper married to a Christian, that marriage is going to be smooth sailing? Do you think it's going to be happy with it like that? I'm here to say no, <laughs> hardly. Well, they've had nothing but trouble. She wanted him to convert to Islam. That's why she married him, so she could convert him. And why did he marry her? So he could convert her to Christianity. It won't work. It never has worked. Don't be unequally yoked. That's the lesson here. And that's the whole lesson of the Middle East conflict, is it not? Why would America get involved in this? Well, because we identify with Israel because that's where our God, Jesus, came from. He's the only one who was raised from the dead. 
even though his fellow Jews had him flogged and tortured and killed on the cross. He shed his blood for our sakes that we might have the access door to permanent, eternal life. Now that is an awesome God. No other God, little g-God, could do that. Did Allah die for you and come back to life again? No. Neither did any other God, any foreign God at all. Name one. No. I don't care if there are Greek mythology characters who supposedly could reincarnate over and over again. That's not the same, and it isn't even real. That's None of that is real. There's only one who did it. Now, you can read Fox's Book of Martyrs, and I heartily recommend that book, even though it's very difficult reading because it's the stories of many martyrs who have been killed because they could not and would not give up the name of Jesus and worshiping him. Now, is it wrong to worship a man? Yes, it most certainly is wrong to worship a man. Well, the Jews say that it's blasphemous to worship Jesus. Well, I'm here to say that what are they worshiping? Moses? What's the difference? Well, the difference is that God really did empty himself of his divinity to come down in the form of Jesus Christ that he might suffer and be like us. He's the only one who emptied himself of, it, of that divinity so that he could suffer and feel what it's like in person. You know, if he was God, and he is, and he could not feel pain, even though he created our bodies and knew all about them, knew way more about me than I know about myself, like how many hairs are on my head, it's not the same if you can't feel what it's like to be one of us. So that's exactly why he came, so that he could suffer and empathize with those who do suffer. And that's all of humanity. Every last man, woman, and child who ever lived is suffering and will suffer till the day he dies. That's the name of the game. Now, why would it be that God would create us in such a way? Because it tempers our person. It tenderizes the meat, and that's what we are. It makes us more compassionate when we suffer and see others whom we love suffer. Now, it can do the other way. It can make us build resentment. But in the final analysis, we need to learn to suffer. And that's the way it is. We need to learn to suffer so that we might seek him out and find him. That's the whole idea. So the, how do you solve the conflict in the Middle East then? And what will America do about it? Well, there's a lot of things going on in the Middle East. But is, 
like I said before, is it over water rights? Is it over territory? Is it over human rights? How about mineral rights like oil? Is it over oil? Is the conflict there over oil? No, 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 and no. It's about the way to peace. And that way to peace is found in Amos 3 and starting in verse 3. Let's go there. Amos is about in the middle of the book or maybe the, sec- the beginning of the second third of the book of the Bible. Amos follows Joel. So we're going to go to 3 and verse 3. Here's what it says. Can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? Does a lion ever roar in a thicket without first finding a victim? Does a young lion growl in its den without first catching something to eat? Does a bird ever get caught in a trap that has no bait? Does a trap spring shut when there's nothing to catch? And it reads like that. This whole thing goes through here. But verse 7 says, Indeed, the sovereign Lord never does anything unless and until he reveals his plans to his servants, the prophets. But the point goes back to verse 3. Can two people walk together without agreeing? And the answer is no, they can't. And that's why the Israeli and Palestinian conflict will continue. We have people who know the one and only true God, at least in part they do. About half of them are worshipers. And the Palestinians are idol worshipers. No wonder they can't get along. They worship two different gods. So what's the answer? Well, the answer is that Both must know the one and only true God. Now, is that prophesied to happen? Let's flip over to Hebrews chapter 8, starting at verse 11. Well, actually, let's back up to verse 10 of Hebrews 8. But this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their minds, and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. And they will not need to teach others, in other words, their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives, saying, You should know the Lord. For everyone, from the least to the greatest, will know me already and I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never remember their sins again. This is the way to peace. Everybody worshiping the one and only true God, and it's not Allah. The same thing is found in Jeremiah chapter 31 and verse 34, which reads like this. I will put my instructions deep within them, and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. And they will not need to teach their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives, saying, You should know the Lord, 
for everyone from the least to the greatest will know me already, says the Lord, and I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never remember their sins. It is the Lord who provides the sun to light the day, and the moon and the stars to light the night, and who stirs the sea waves so that they roar. His name is the Lord of heaven's armies, and this is what he says, I am as likely to reject my people as I am to abolish the laws of nature. This is what the Lord says, Just as the heavens cannot be measured and the foundations of the earth cannot be explored, so I will not consider casting them away for the evil they have done. I, the Lord, have spoken. Well, this is Albert Hardy for Bible Prophecy Radio. I want to thank you for tuning in today. Keep your eyes on the Middle East because it's going to be the flashpoint of the beginning of World War III, the Great Tribulation. But you can go to my website and you can get some encouragement there. You can read my books. You can watch the videos. It's all there. It's all free. I have nothing for sale. I don't want your email address unless you want to email me. You can get it right on the website. The website is itellwhy.com. That's the letter I, the word tell, and the word why, W-H-Y. So until next time, I'm Albert Hardy for Bible Prophecy Radio. Have a great day.